thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith, and I'm in Cusco. <laughs> I'm Kim Morrison. And are you in Cusco? I am. Oh, and I'm Cindy O'Mara, and I'm in Cusco too, Peru. <laughs> How exciting. Everybody that's listening to today's show, just we, we really want to preface the show with where we are. We're currently sitting in the most beautiful restaurant with gorgeous chandeliers, stunningly adorned ancient paintings, cobblestone walls, concrete floors, and millions of people around us eating dinner. So, maybe not millions, maybe ten. So... Um, <laughs> But we couldn't pass up the opportunity to do today's podcast with you purely because we've got somebody extraordinary that we want to share with you. We did the most amazing tour today that I think was almost life-changing for all of us, exploring the ancient ruins of of, um, Cusco and the mountains. And we've got the tour guide here with us, Julian. And we couldn't resist sharing him with you simply because... He's such a, a wealth of knowledge, such a gentle soul, but somebody who sees life from all angles and the positive in everything. So we really wanted to share that with you guys. So please forgive any background noise. We know that this podcast might irritate some people and <laughs> we're just putting it out there. Please don't send us nasty messages because we're doing the best that we can with what we have, but we just couldn't resist sending this podcast out to you guys. So first and foremost, let's welcome Julian to the show. Hello. Good evening, good evening. (laughs) Julian, today was one of the most magical, amazing trips and your knowledge of this area. Can you tell us, first of all, how, where you came from, how you got into being a travel guide and, and really, what is your passion behind doing the work that you do? Well, actually, I mean, like, it's just, it all started because I uh, ended up in the States as, a, as an exchange student. So ah. I, uh, I stayed in the States for something like nine months, living with an American family, and I learned English. That was, that was the objective. And when I came back, I wanted to study electronics. But... Uh, when I came back from the States, uh, my father, who had a wholesale grocery store, had lost everything. And so uh, I needed to, to make some money immediately. So I decided, well, I'm going to use my English. And uh, tourism was just starting in Cusco. So uh, and, uh, the University of Cusco was offering a course in tourism. So I went into the university and started and started to start tourism. At first I thought, well, maybe I'm gonna do this job for some like just one or two years because uh, my real passion was electronics. <clears throat> but then, I mean, like, uh, as I got into tourism and I started to talk to people, I liked it and I decided to stay. And uh, uh, my course that was going to be only three years uh, uh, enlarged into five years. And then I graduated as a, as a uh, expert in tourism, right? And uh, out of the three options that I had, I had the option of being a hotel manager, a travel agent, or a tour guide. I decided to be a tour guide. I, I have to say, it would be criminal for you to be hidden behind electronics because you're such, you're so naturally a patient, very patient, <laughs> very, very patient. But you're a people person. You're just, you know, you're delicious to be around. It would be tragic to not, to have lost you to electronics, I think. Well, actually, uh, yes. I mean, I, I didn't know, I didn't know about that about me. Mm. It's just that probably I liked, uh, and I still like electronics. Yeah. It's just because, I mean, like, you, you focus your mind into something. And it's all these little details out there. Uh, so it's a way of uh, relaxing. 
Ah, so it's meditated almost. That's that's yeah. it. I mean, it's, you go into into different world. I mean, like uh, into different worlds while you're you're putting this thing here and the other thing there, right? So probably that was the that was the idea. And maybe what I really liked is just, <clears throat> to, as you say, to meditate or to just be focused on something little like that and not think about anything else. Absolutely. But then on the other hand, I mean, like. Uh, uh, after you do that, probably I needed to talk to people, yeah. and uh, it was perfect. I mean, like uh, tourism was perfect because uh, you get to talk to people, and uh, I don't know. You you share all your ideas. Sometimes they like your ideas. Sometimes they don't. But on the other hand, also you exchange ideas with people. And as I was telling some of you, sometimes I learn more from you than you can learn from me. Mm-hmm. Well, probably not about the ruins or. Anything else, but about uh, the way the way people look at the world, that's not necessarily my way, but just by comparison, I learn more. What do you see when you see the way that people look at the world? Because you would be across so many people each week. What, what do you what do you see when you say that? Like, uh, it's like, for instance, I mean, like sometimes. Uh, when I was a little bit younger, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to go back to the states because I thought it was going to be my life different, or I wanted to go to Europe because I thought my life was going to be different. <clears throat> and I I went back to the states and I've been to some other places. And what happens is that you realize that uh, no matter where you are, it's just you, and uh, you have to accommodate yourself to the circumstances, and what happens all the time is that uh, it's always you, uh, no, matter, no matter where you are. So I could be successful here, and I could be successful out there, or I could be a failure here, and I could be a failure out there, and it's not, it's not your surroundings, it's you. And, and you realize about that just by looking at people. I mean, you talk to people, and you realize that uh, no matter where they come from, it's always the same thing. It's you, it's not the circumstances, it's not where you were born, it's how, how you feel about everything. And uh, well, that's, uh, that's something that, uh, probably that's one of the reasons why uh, sometimes I, I don't want to travel that much anymore because uh, I always find the same thing and I might as well just stay here and I've got enough here, I've got everything I want here. It's. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, like, I don't know if you understand what I mean. Uh, yeah. um, we really understand definitely. what you mean. Yeah, yeah <coughs> definitely. So, um, like, you've had us as a group. So you've got the Awaken the Change up for a chat group that you've been with for the last couple of days. And um, at times, I know it's like herding cats. <laughs> we, we, we do get that. But how do I'd love to know in your perspective how you see us seeing the world compared to maybe another tour group that you've taken do you well, see, can you see that yes well there's some stereotypes there's some stereotypes <laughs> of, of all these groups I mean like uh, you know that when you you got a group of Americans it's uh, all like uh, mm, they they need to be guided right? they need to be taken care of okay uh, like as a group they always do everything as a group, and they feel help, helpless if they don't have something near them to tell them what to do. Uh, of course, that's the stereotype. Um, it doesn't apply to everybody, but that's the stereotype. Uh, as I was telling you, I mean, like, when it comes to English, English, uh, they come and uh, they're more independent, and sometimes they hate when somebody tells them what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, I mean, like, uh, they are more, since they, they have traveled in places like India or places in the Far East or the Middle East, then their stomachs are more used to the kind of food that we have here, so they less, they don't get as sick as the Americans would get mm. by eating certain foods out there. <coughs> as to, uh, I don't know, as to, as to the, the Australians, right? As to the Aussies <laughs> out there. I mean, like, you are more cheerful. We are funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Okay, you enjoy life, but at the same time, sometimes it, it looks like you don't, you, don't look, you don't take anything seriously. <laughs> there, are certain, there are certain things that you like, 
and uh, that's not going to change. I mean, you might be learning, you might be learning about all these things, but in the back of your mind, you get just whatever idea you get, and you 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 go with it. Uh, it's like uh, I don't know. It's like going through a museum out there, and uh, you you focus yourself in one thing that you like, and even though you might notice the rest, you don't care about it that much. Right, but I mean the one thing is that uh, when you think about Aussies, as you call yourself, is that you are more cheerful, uh, and they are you're more sincere than, for instance, the Americans. I don't know if you notice when it comes to the Americans, they love everybody from the first minute they know them. Right, mm -hmm. I love you, I like you, right, but it's just something. It's very superficial. As to the British, they never say anything. They keep everything to themselves. As to you. You are more sincere to that extent. I mean, like you hate somebody, I mean, you don't say anything. Or if you like something, you say it. Mm. And uh, in general, you're more cheerful and uh, you look more uh, juvenile, I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I like you more every minute that you're speaking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love uh, to be called juvenile at 46. That's awesome. No, I don't want to the say about The way she fell down the stairs twice today, she looked quite juvenile. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? <laughs> Julia, can, can I ask you a question? You were born and bred here? Yes, I was born in Cusco, and I was raised here. And only when I was uh, uh, 17, I went to the States. So I stayed there in the, in the 70s, actually... 6970 and probably that changed my personality a lot because I uh, entered the states after the the Woodstock and everything in the states was uh, peace and love and everything right peace love and mung beans and that's right yeah. and I was coming from a, a traditional Cusco very catholic out there uh, if you wanted to kiss a girl then, you had to be around a girl for six months. And they, I ended up in the States, and the first thing that they do to me is that I got a blind date, I got a girl next to me, and I don't know what to do with her. Oh, oh right, Because it was just too much, too much of a cultural <laughs> shock out there. Right? So, I mean, that changed that. And then, of course, I mean, everything was changing because it was the hippie movement, and they were trying to break all the, all the regu regulations that they had, the other way they were thinking. So it was something like, uh, it was a total cultural shock for me. So it did it convert you to a hippie? It was, uh, well, no, no. It just loosened you up a little bit. <laughs> what happened is, uh, actually, I, I thought, I, I saw everything natural because, I mean, you're 17, you just accept it. Right? Mm. Oh, maybe it must be like that. But I realized I had changed a lot when I came back here. Mm. I just couldn't fit anywhere, anywhere because uh, uh. my friends wouldn't understand me. Uh, the girls that I knew just... Uh, thought that I was totally mad because I would just we'd come up with all these ideas I mean like uh, it was not it was not something like free sex but my ideas about sex just because I had been in the States during the 70s it was totally different so for quite a while uh, also it helped that was another reason probably I ended up in tourism because I could talk with tourists yeah. that really understood what I was talking about yeah. but not in my community so little by little, little by little, I, uh, I, I understood the whole thing, and I could see both sides of it, and I would play with them, right? Mm. So I would, I would play with them. Mm. Yeah, and I still, I still, up to the moment, I mean, I just, I just kind of, uh, kind of know exactly what each person thinks in my community, mm. because I know exactly how they were raised, and how they feel about different things, and so on. So yeah. let's talk about Cusco. Cusco? Yeah, oh. I want to hear about Cusco. Oh. Tell us about Cusco. You were born and raised here. So what talent, many people listening to this may never get to Machu Picchu, let alone Cusco. Yeah. So how would you describe this area? And why is it so spiritual and how come tourism has so increased? Well, actually, I mean, like, uh, the great magnet in Cusco is Machu Picchu, right? So Machu Picchu, it's been... Uh, it's been advertised all over the world. So people come over here because of Machu Picchu. And once they come from Machu Picchu, then they learn about Cusco and they learn about Peru, right? 
And uh, of course, one thing that you also learn is that Machu Picchu is in the middle of the Andes Mountains. And uh, probably that's the first shock that you get. I mean, like mm. you come to the Andes Mountains and uh, before it used to be the Himalayas, but right now it's the Andes Mountains. Yes. It, it said that uh, all this power has shifted from the Himalayas to the Andes Mountains. So you feel it. I mean, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like sometimes we don't feel it anymore because I mean, like, the fish is the, the last one to know that's living in the water, yeah, right? Yeah. So if you come from abroad, then you feel it, and you know it, it's something there, it's something there. And of course, in the case of Cusco, in the case of Cusco, uh, the capital city of this empire, it's got lots of that power. I mean, probably it's one, one of the centers of that power out there, because not just now, but before, in the 1400s, this was, uh, this was a metropolitan city, it was a cosmopolitan, what I mean, it's a cosmopolitan city. I had people from all over that ended up here because it had some kind of a magnetism out there. Then, of course, the Spanish arrived, and uh, it, it kind of, uh, uh, the magnetism stayed there. But then, I mean, right now, once again, it's happening. As a matter of fact, right now, there's a popular saying that uh, uh, Cusco, uh, Cusco will be what it was. And it's happening. It's happening because people are coming from every, every, every part of the world. And it seems that still the magnetism is there. And it depends on you. As a matter of fact, when you come to the Andes Mountains, and I don't know if it's just Cusco, the Andes Mountains, it's due to this magnetism. You got good thoughts, they magnify, they get magnified. And you got bad thoughts, and they get magnified too. Mm. So when you are in Cusco, and you want to have a good time, and you are optimistic, everything goes great mm. but then if uh, if you come and you start thinking maybe i'm going to get sick maybe it's going to happen it, it actually happens to you mm -hmm. i mean it's 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 something about that then about about cusco about cusco itself i mean like me for instance i mean i'm i'm in tune with the mountains so whenever i leave this place i don't know if it's cusco or the mountains i i always feel that i gotta come back i gotta come back to the mountains but it seems that there is there's some kind of a magnetism here, and only and after, uh, well, starting in the 1950s or so, when uh, everything is changing and uh, Cusco is, uh, is becoming uh, something more than just being a little town in the Andes Mountains, and uh, when there's something, something like an Indian emergence again, then all these... Uh, uh, rituals, uh, traditions, real traditions, well, the indigenous people are coming back again, like all these rituals, the Mother Earth, uh, like worshipping the mountains, like worshipping the rivers, and, uh, and really believing, really believing in your heart that the Earth is alive, and uh, that you have to listen to it, right? So since it's, it's there, it's, it's been growing and growing and growing, and uh, people, uh, mystic people, or people that have that sensibility is feeling it, and they're coming over here, and they feel great, and they come back over here because they feel, they feel great. And it's, I, I think that's, that's one of the reasons. Even though, I mean, like, uh, of course, the big magnet is much bigger, right? Do you feel, do you have that same sense of connection to worshipping the mountains and worshipping the earth and worshipping the lakes? Do you feel that as somebody who was born and bred here? Uh, I some I got I got some connections with some mountains. Yeah. It's like uh, having your favorite patron saint. Right. So like uh, in the case of Machu Picchu, for instance, Machu Picchu. Once uh, uh, once I was uh, sick of something, and I went to a healer, a shaman, and uh, she told me that I should go to Machu Picchu. Uh, just because of that, that mountain knew me. So um, I made an offering to Machu Picchu, specifically in, in Machu Picchu. And uh, after that, it was all right. I mean, I, I, I got all right. Everything started to go pretty well. And right now, every time I go to Machu Picchu, I, I feel all right. Everything goes all right. I mean, if it's going to rain, I just say, please don't rain for half an hour because <laughs> I, I need a half an hour and it usually happens so I feel secure right or there's some mountains my parents were born in Urubamba the town and uh, 
uh, from a very early age, I, I used to go to Uribamba. And that mountain, uh, uh, Chikon, it's, I get a, a good connection with that mountain yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's yeah, it's, so it's, uh, beautiful. Yeah, it is. I mean, actually, I mean, like, you don't feel, uh, uh, you feel that there's something more beyond this world. I mean, there's something, sure. something more, there are some other things out there. And, uh, and of course, I mean, that, uh, that makes, that keeps you quiet. I mean, like you. And probably also, I mean, that comes with the age too, right? <laughs> because when yeah. you're younger, you're thinking about some other things that are not necessarily that. But, but, but I think that the, the gold in what you've just said there is that, it, you know, you find it in Machu Picchu or you find it in a connection to a mountain, but ultimately what you find is that there is more beyond this. And even yes. just the words that you use, it keeps you quiet. It really, like, what I get from that is that makes a person recognize that this is not it all of the hustle all of the stuff that goes on in a day-to-day life this is not all that there is that there is more and if a person can find connection to that in whichever way and here we are in Cusco and here we are heading towards Machu Picchu and that's a way yeah and of course I mean it brings peace. whatever when uh, so whenever uh, whenever a guy I put some passion to it because I want you to to understand that uh, what you're looking at is the product of a people that believe in something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not just the walls you're looking at. That's right. It's. Uh, it's, it's what they left behind just to tell you that there is that um, I don't know I mean like uh, they created something out there and uh, uh, not because uh, it's just that they, they they found a connection with these lands out here mm-hmm. and even though they must have they might have all these conquering and kill people and massacre people or whatever but still I mean you look at a place like uh, Morai that we saw today all those circles out there that uh, a modern society that believes uh, believes in practicality uh, per se it, it makes no sense I mean it's these people that uh, they might have done all these things like all humans did all over the world but at the same time they stopped a minute to to worship the earth and to let you know that there's something that you should give uh, the whole of you for something that's beyond, uh, for something that's greater than you, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the things that you spoke about today, and I'd love you to speak about it again, is that the culture. Your, you know, I love cultures and traditions, and I think your culture has remained in its traditions. Right. And especially the bringing up of children and the, the conversation we had around, um, you know, a child and how a child is brought up in, in this community and, and, yeah, just how everybody helps everyone. Could you address that, please? Yeah, that's why... Uh, you know, I mean, when the Spanish arrived here, they introduced the nuclear family because it was easy for them to control the family of parents and children. It's much easier. Even at present, if you come to think of it, it's much easier for the governments to control just one family, father and mother and children mm-hmm. out there. So it said that in the Andes Mountains, uh, whenever central governments try to control the people, they always get together, all the families will always get together and would oppose the formation of a, of a central state. Or at least, I mean, they try to uh, find a way to defend themselves in a better way against a central state. And that's how this uh, uh, IU started, which is the basis of the society. And IU is a kinship group that's integrated by several families related in somewhere. It could be two, three families, like it could be 50 or 100 families. That's an IU. And of course, when you're born, Within the Ailu, you're not born to your parents. Of course, you're born to your parents. Mm. But uh, in general terms, in the Ailu, you're first born to the Ailu, which means to the community, to all these families, and then you're born to your parents. 
and that helps in the sense that uh, everybody feels like uh, it's your father or everybody feels that's your mother. As a matter of fact, as a child, you call mother to your natural mother and all the sisters of your mother, and you call father to your natural father and all the brothers of your father. So literally, you got several, several fathers and several mothers out there. In other words, I mean, the call of the community just takes care of you so you feel secure there, right? And it's not that uh, you have to have somebody after you all the time. No, it's the community. It's always looking where you are and so on, right? Mm. <laughs> and as we were discussing earlier also, that helps to the extent that uh, uh, women can be single mothers and there's no stigma to a single mother. I mean, nobody is going to look down or, or in, uh, look down a woman that's got a child and no, no father. It doesn't matter because the child has got several fathers and several mothers out there. <laughs> right. So they feel, the, the children feel, feel more secure to that extent out there. Of course, I mean, like uh, in my case, I was, born, I was born in Cusco. So I was, born, uh, uh, I was born to a family. I was not born in a community. But of course, I mean, to some extent, still, I mean, like, uh, it's in the back of our mind. So if I, in my neighborhood, probably all of the friends of my father and the friends of my mother who knew who I was and they were looking at where I was or whatever, like, it happens all over, right? But nothing, nothing that formal there. But in the communities, yes, it is a formal thing. I mean, you take care of the kids. What Girls. happens when you meet someone? What about the teenagers? Like, how are they... How are they accepted? In well, you know, there's one term for that, and it's sirbinacui, uh, uh, which is translated into Spanish, it means trial marriage. Trial marriage. Trial marriage. And all the communities believe in trial marriage, which means that uh, it, it's, it's logic and say, once you go ahead, try it, and if you like it, you stay. If you don't like it, you live it. So the kids, it's nothing like free love. It's just <laughs> the, the kids... Uh, are free to look for partners, uh, be a girl or be a boy, and not necessarily that uh, uh, they have to marry this girl to marry this boy. They can they can try several times, and then once they decide, that's it. I mean, they stay with that uh, partner for the rest of their lives. Well, most of the time, right? So that's the way it goes. And I think it makes more sense than in in our Catholic society at present because. You, you are forced to get married as to the Catholic Church there is no divorce out there and then on the other hand because of the Catholic Church sometimes it's, it's a bad thing if uh, you divorce your wife or your husband and there is some kind of a stigma and then getting a divorce they make it real hard for you to get uh, a divorce in this society and you get these people men and women living with different partners but uh, legally, I mean, they can't start a business, they can start nothing, because legally, your first wife or your first husband owns everything, right? I suppose it's the same all over, mm, kind yes. of, right? But uh, out in the communities, at least, they, get, they let you try. And uh, if you made a mistake, well, you know, I mean, you had your chance. Mm. Sometimes here in this society, there's no chance. So I think it's, it makes more sense, I mean, out there. So the boys and girls, they try several times, and after a while, I mean, like... Uh, they just they, they pick up the right guy or the right girl. They get married. That's it. And they get, if they got some children, well, they absorb the, the children into their family uh, with other man or other woman, or simply the children will go with the with the father or with the mother. But I mean, there's no problem because the children belong to the community, not necessarily to the to the mother or the father. Or the mother. And they know about that. So. Is there much delinquency? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, you, you would have to, to define that. Like here in, in Cusco, for instance, basically uh, what, you, uh, what you have, uh, what you know as crime, is just stealing or fighting to the extent that you can really hurt somebody out there. Uh, as to killing, it doesn't happen. That's just about petty, petty crimes out there, petty crimes, compared to other cities. I mean, like, if you go to Lima, I mean, they just, they, they can kill you for just a cell phone right there. But here in Cusco, no, no, we haven't come to that uh, point yet. 
I mean, as I was telling you before, the, one, the great problem that we get here in Cusco is alcoholism. Uh, children start, kids start at a very early age, and you get uh, 12 year or 12 year olds, 13 year olds getting drunk out there. They try to control it, but still, it's it's very hard. And sometimes, I mean, these kids uh, they go and uh, try to steal, or they hit somebody, or uh, they take uh, some kind of a drug and they end up in jail. But apart from that. That's it, right? And, and I love how you said that if they're happy, they drink, and if they're sad, they drink. That's their That's answer. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is right. Because I asked you, uh, and I was absolutely floored by your answer, but I asked you about what's this, you know, the suicide rate here, because where we live, the suicide rate's terrible. People are not happy and they kill themselves. Yeah. Well, here, no, no. Uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's uh, our Catholic tradition, because I mean, like I said, the Catholic tradition you kill yourself and you go into a limbo. <laughs> limbo, yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> and you gotta wait uh, all these uh, thousands of years until you're allowed to go either in hell or in heaven, right there. Yeah. I don't know. It's part of it, but I I don't think so. I mean, most of the time, I mean, like. Uh, you can always talk to your friends, you can always talk to your family, and uh, most of the time you get your problem solved. The worst thing that can happen to you is just you go into drinking and you become an alcoholic, or simply, I mean, you become a drug addict. But even so, I mean, like, uh, even though, as I was telling you, I mean, you can get cocaine here, relatively speaking, in this way, but uh, you, don't, you don't really care about drugs, right? Mm. It's uh, drinking, it's, it's really drinking, right, the problem that we got here, right? Mm. Can we talk about food? We, we've not talked about food, so can right. we talk about what's the traditional um, food that you eat? Well, our traditional food is basically any food that's, uh, that contains potatoes, our staple crops, potatoes, uh, corn, beans, and so on, right there. Uh, and of course, I mean, like uh, guinea pig, or animal protein out there, and some uh, alpaca out there, right? Uh, that was that was in Inca times. Before, up until some like 30 years ago, it was illegal to to sell alpaca meat here. Oh. Now, it's legal right there, right? Uh, but in Inca times, basically, it was uh, guinea pig, alpaca, llama is too tough, and uh, then potatoes and all those. Uh, 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 all, all those vegetables out there. And it's still, I mean, like you go up in the mountain and you can have just a uh, uh, potato and with some sauces there, hot sauces that you try some of them, and it's great. But right now, the traditional, the traditional kind of food in Cusco is got pork in it. And as I was telling you, like in that town, one dish that's very popular is uh, chicharrones, which is pieces of pork, deep fried, and served with potatoes and corn. Another thing, the most, uh, another dish that's kind of popular here is uh, what you call kapchi, and it's got uh, beans, it's got potatoes, it's got milk, it's got cheese right there, and it's got rice. Yes, I mean, rice have been introduced in our diet, and incredibly enough, sometimes it replaces potatoes because the imported rice is less expensive than the potatoes we produce here. So that's it. But uh, it's basically it's basically vegetables that we have here as traditional uh, as traditional food. I think your cuisine is absolutely beautiful. I love the taste of it. It's got um, some freshness about it, and you have lots of um, side um, chimichurri. Chimichurri. That was I'm loving the chimichurri. Oh. We tried that um, yesterday, and today there were all these different sauces that we had at lunch. Yes. And then I tried the fermented corn. What's corn. that called? Chicha. Chicha. Chicha, right. Chicha. How do you make that? Well, what you have to do is, I mean, like, uh, you mold the corn, which means that it sprouts. Oh, okay. And once it's sprouted, then you grind it, and then you boil it. You boil it for something like two, three hours, and you let it ferment for something like three days. Because once it's fermented, it becomes alcoholic, and that's what it is. That's chicha. Oh, it's alcoholic. I didn't notice that. Well, I had a couple of drinks. Well, but, <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I mean, I don't know what kind of chicha you had there. 
if it was chicha out of maize, then it should be alcoholic. But sometimes they make chicha out of quinoa also, uh-huh. and it's it's not alcoholic. It's sweet. Was it sweet? Very sweet. Oh, then it's not. It's not because the the real chicha is uh, uh, it's it's kind of acid. It's got uh, this uh, alcoholic taste to it. Oh no, this was very sweet and a light pink color. Oh no, well yeah, you get you get the maize chicha but with the strawberry in it, uh-huh. and that's usually made for ladies. Mm. Uh, well, I loved it. Well, <laughs> you shouldn't have drunk it. But it's, it's, that one is alcoholic. What happens is that the strawberry kind of uh, masks the alcohol. Uh-huh. It's like the pisco sour. Yes. I mean, like let's you talk d- about that, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A few of our team have had quite a few of those. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, can you tell us what that? That's made from a grape, right? Yes, it's pisco. Pisco is made out of grape, and it's pisco is forty uh, percent proof. Yes, very strong. So it's we all strong... had it at lunch the other day, and we all thought it was just like a lemon drink. Right, and then <laughs> after we you watched fell, everybody kind of... falling off the floor, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> snogging each other. No, they were. Um, <laughs> but it was the grape, and is that grape grown local? No, no, it's grown on the coast because this is too high for grapes. Uh, Even though we can, we could grow grapes in the jungle area, and in some areas like Urubamba, for instance, we grow grapes. But uh, when the Spanish arrived here, there were two things that they considered just as Spanish and nobody should, no Indian should get uh, hold of them. The first thing was horses and the other thing was grapes. So all the uh, vineyards uh, just along the coast. And right now at present, the pisco is produced all along the coast out there. Nothing in our jungle area, uh, no... uh, uh, grapevines in uh, in the in the Andes right there, but it's 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 out of grapes, yes. It's yeah, so it was the I found I found out the recipe. <laughs> I, tell me if I'm right. One ounce of um, pisco, right? Three ounces of lemon, uh-huh. one ounce. Actually, of sugar, it's lime lime juice. Lime juice, or like no, okay. she said, lemon lemon or lime juice, and then sugar syrup, right? Blended together with egg white. That's right. And then a drop of Angus bitters on the top. Right, and then some uh, ice cubes if you want it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. So you you all blend it, and it's it was a bit like tequila, kind of a little bit of a tequila. Yes, kind of but it's stronger than tequila. Yeah. Most of the we time know. we usually have. I mean, like you know, all the all the macho Mexicans they always come up here and say tequila, tequila is harder than pisco. So we give in two pisco two pisco sours in a row, and then afterwards they don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> it just takes two. Right, but it depends how big they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah usually they're like, yeah, that, that's, that's enough. Two of those ones, I mean, uh, you're, you're drunk. Yeah, yeah, I had to go to bed. So that's like a highball kind of glass to us. Yeah. So two highballs and you'd be drunk. You'd be gone. It was pretty that's amazing, funny. though. And I, what I've loved also here is, can you tell us a little bit about the Inca people? Because that's something that a lot of us that travel here are very interested in from a ancient traditional viewpoint but you were saying that there's no true Incas maybe anymore yes there's no true Incas anymore like, uh, I mean when I it's uh, uh, when you say true Incas probably what you mean is uh, people that have 100% uh, mm. Inca blood yes. but we got no, no 100% Inca people anymore the last tribe of 100% Inca people was found in the 1950s. It was a community that had survived the modern world and it was found by these anthropologists. But of course, I mean, after, after these anthropologists spread the news that he had found this community, the it's the Quero community. I mean, everybody went out there, anthropologists, archeologists, and those guys right now are more Western than anybody else. But at least, I mean, at first they got all that information about that. <clears throat> different from the stage when the Spanish entered here, instead of eliminating the population, they mixed with the population, which means the Spanish mixed with the Indian population and they created a new race, a mestizo race, mixed people out there. So we are all mixed. The, the 99% of the population in Peru is mixed. There's just 1% white population in Lima, that's it. But the rest of the population is mixed. Mm-hmm. In the Andes, we got Indian blood and Spanish blood. On, along the coast, they got Indian blood, Spanish blood, and black blood, because the Spanish would bring some black slaves with them right there. 
in the Andes we don't have any, any black blood because uh, black people can't stand the cold. And if you, if you, in Cusco, you haven't seen any black people, no. No, 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 no. So in the Andes we got only Inca blood and uh, Spanish blood. And the more Spanish blood you've got, the more, the more white uh, Western features you've got. And what, what you call, or what you, what you see, and you think it's pure Inca, it's actually people that have got uh, a higher percentage of Inca blood, let's say something like 70, 80% Inca blood. And you can notice immediately, I mean, like the color of the skin, and uh, you look at the eyes, and there's one fold that's missing, like in Asia out there. And then the, the what do you call this? The, Cheek the cheeks are very prominent out there. It's a receding forehead, and it's a round face, mm -hmm. and always fleshy lips mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. That's that's uh, that's the way we, we look out there, right? Now, there's one thing. Whenever whenever you talk about Inca, uh, you you have to be a little bit car careful, and you. Because in this country, especially along the coast, they can't tell the difference between the Inca, the Incas, and the people in the Andes living at present. It seems that along the coast, they don't realize that the people that you see in the streets in Cusco right now are actually direct descendants of the Incas. And sometimes, I mean, like along the coast, because they don't understand the reality in the Andes, they praise the Incas. They feel really proud about this Inca heritage that they got in this country that's, that it's theirs because they are Peruvian. But then on the other hand, they come to the highlands and they despise and look down on these <coughs> farmers that we've seen like today because they just can't find the relation that those Incas that they praise so much are actually those guys that are farming those fields at present, right? Mm -hmm. And still, it's, it's, it's something, it's a contradiction that they cannot uh, what they, reconcile. What do they expect that they would be doing? Well, what happened is that they believed that the Incas were great people, very intelligent, but these guys, they are uh, somehow, I mean, like, their race degenerated, and they are ignorant, and they are dirty, and so on. And they don't understand that actually they caused it because they separated they separate uh, they isolated the highlands out there and let all of these people just live on their own and exploit them and on the other hand they expect them to be as the incas they read in the books out there right? mm -hmm. so it's it's a, i don't know if the right word it is but it's a it's a dichotomy it's a contradiction because you talk to people and you say, what do you think about the Incas? And they're not going to think about these guys. They're going to think about that great empire before us. Or if you look at one of these farmers and you say, what do you think about that Inca? Inca? That's not Inca. That's an Indian. It's, it's incredible the way they react out there. But it's changing. It's changing. You've traveled the world. You've traveled quite a, a while, have you? No. Where have you traveled? America? I've Europe? been to America and I've been uh, to South America. Uh, I've never been to Europe because, I don't know, it doesn't attract me. Mm. Uh, but you've been to America. This is what I want to ask you. So you've actually been to a country that, well, right now is going through huge change as far as the presidential election and all of that sort of thing. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to the Western world based on your upbringing and your knowledge, what do you think we need to take from a place like this? What like could we thing. take home? Yes, honestly. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, in the case of the Americans, I would say, just read the history books and uh, look at the fate of all empires. It's going to happen exactly that. <laughs> We've been the Inca Empire, the Indian Empire, Chinese Empire, the British Empire, the Spanish Empire. Now it's the American Empire. It's the same thing. I mean, at least I mean, there's some truth in when you study history. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And there's nothing they can do about that. It's incredible. I mean, we read all these books about history not to make the mistakes, the same mistakes again. And we always keep making the same mistakes. As somebody say, when you study the history books, you're just perfecting the mistakes you're going to make. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's so funny. Yeah. That's so true. And you know, I, I'm my mum's American, so she's from Iowa in the Midwest, right. and I've been going to America since the seventies. Lived there, go back every year, and I'm noticing that that the the heyday of the eighties, which I believe is when America was in its heydays, is far gone. And what I see now are ghost towns. I see um, people that. Um, just seem to be walking around blindly, not in every place of America. Yeah, no. I'm just talking about what I am seeing, and I and that's only been since the 70s that I'm starting to see that. I was on the plane coming here with two Americans next to me who were coming here for the first time. They said, and these were their words, that they were genuinely afraid of what the demise of their country was about to become. And they were a young couple who had just got married. They were genuinely afraid. Yes, I think this state is becoming like uh, it's going in the direction that uh, we had here in South America. I mean, like the gap in be- between the poor and the, the rich is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's because, uh, I don't want to go into this, but uh, I think it's because, I mean, uh, America has, has become too, too capitalist. Yes. I mean, like in the, in the 50s, the Americas became capitalist. Believed in capitalism because they believe in uh, in uh, rewarding your work. The more you work, the more you will earn. But right now, it doesn't work anymore. I mean, it's that they're just to this manipulation of money. Money, money as money. Uh, the richer are getting richer, and the poorer are getting poorer out there. And they don't want to realize about that. And it's uh, and they have totally forgotten about the social part of their society. They believe that everything revolves around money, and it's eventually that's it's going to collapse. The society is going to, is going to collapse out there, right? Because uh, uh, nothing is social. Uh, I mean, like, you were talking about it today, though, which I love the comparison, and I actually felt a little bit emotional with a lot of the things you were saying today, particularly. And I know we were all having little ahas, but it was things like if someone in the community wants to build a house the community comes together to help you build that house. That's right. Um, if someone is, is doing their, their crop, they're, they're, they're harvesting their crops, then the community comes and they just had to provide cocoa leaves. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> cocoa tea. <laughs> and food. Um, can you just, do you think that that also is, is that what you're talking about from a social point of view? You're yeah, it's, it's social. I mean, like, yeah, you you gotta, you got to think of everybody. As a matter of fact, in the in the Andean uh, thinking, you get sick. Uh, even though I mean, like you might get sick of germs or whatever, but in general, people think that you get sick because there is, there is an imbalance between you and your peers and uh, your gods and nature. There's there's a connection between you and your and your and your society and your the people you know, nature and uh, the gods. If there's any kind of imbalance uh, among those three, three links out there, you get sick. So you always have to take care of uh, being good with nature, in good relation with nature, in good relation with your gods, and in good relation with your friends or your social environment out there, right? And that's why, that's why uh, people out in the countryside sometimes they prefer uh, a healer, a local fee- healer, than an empty doctor. Because if you think of, of an empty doctor, the empty doctor comes and says, what do you got? All right, you got this? Okay, just take this pill and pay me th- this much money. When it comes to a healer, a healer, you don't, go to the, you don't go to the healer. The healer comes to your home. The healer makes friends with you. You can pay him in labor, in kind, in guinea pigs, in chicken, whatever. And at the same time, he can cure not just your health, but he can cure your luck. He can cure your house. He can cure your animals out there. And he doesn't treat you like a number. So in spite of all these medical posts out there, still people first go to the local healer 
And then if the local healer can do nothing about it, then you go to the medical post. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it's, the lo- local healer a shaman? Is that, is that a shaman? Well, I think shaman is, uh, is an outside world. It's an outside uh, word. But uh, we usually use shaman because there's no other word in Well, but probably the, the, the closest one is healer. It's a healer. But uh, there are some words in Quechua uh, that refer to a healer, like uh, a paco, for instance. And you get three types of them. You get uh, uh, that uh, healer, that paco, that can uh, fix just the physical world, like you get some problems with the bones or with your physical body. Then you get the other one that can heal your spiritual body as well as your, uh, your physical body. And you get the third, the third type of paco that can heal, uh, that can go beyond the spiritual world and can get in contact with the gods and uh, show you the way to that extent. I mean, like, if you got some, uh, some problems of existentialism or something like that, then you got one of those guys out there. Right? It's, it depends what you're looking for right there. And is that different to a mystic spiritualist, which is what I saw on the door of a, of a house as we were coming down the mountain today? I saw well, a I don't mystic spiritualist. No, neither but, did I. But actually, I mean, like, these guys are practical people. Uh, and uh, what's, what's really great about these guys is that, uh, 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 like, there used to be a truck driver. A truck driver that uh, every once, once a week would just do some healing for the people out there. And he would, he would also drink a, drink a lot. And everyone would say, how come this guy, a truck driver, he doesn't have all that? Because, I mean, sometimes, I mean, like, you go through all these exercises to become spiritual. You meditate a lot. And this guy, I mean, he's a truck driver. I mean, he drinks a lot. I mean, and just once a week, I say, well, how come? It's just because, I mean, like, uh, uh, in his community, they found out that he, he had the skill for that. And, uh, you mean he was chosen or he was noticed? Uh, he was noticed. And uh, whenever you ask him about that, he said, well, I've got to an agreement with the gods. I get the skill. I can cure people. And then uh, the gods are always going to take care of me. Uh, there's always going to be food in my, on my table. I'm always going to have money as long as I do that job. Once a week. Once a week, I mean, people can come, and that's what everybody would do. It's once a week that we go to him, talk to him. He would just heal people and everything else. And um, the rest of the week, forget it. I mean, he was just a normal guy. I mean, like nothing. So sometimes you kind of think and say, like when you meditate, when you do all this exercise, you read all these books and say, you got to do this and that and that. And you got to protect yourself. And you get this guy, I mean, like a man in this <laughs> thing, and It doesn't seem doesn't right. do anything. I mean, he, he can cure people. I mean, like, yeah. One of the so, things you also said today was around the role of the man and the woman and, and how times are changing now where... Women used to depend, depend on, on their, them, husbands, yeah. their husbands for providing, and they used to be the caregiver and the, the cook and the nurturer. healer and the nurturer. <laughs> and today, you were saying that a lot of the women now are starting to make more money sometimes than the men. That's right, yeah. Through, is that because of tourism? It's because of tourism, because there's more, more, more business. And uh, what's really interesting is that uh, men don't take it as hard like in uh, modern society. I mean, like, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, sometimes you play roles. I'm like, in the case of these guys, they play roles. In their community, they got no problem being uh, led by a woman. But then when they come to Cusco, they, they change roles, and they act like macho men. Because that's what they, so this kind of society asks them to do. But then when they go home, I mean, it's normal. and They take care of the children, or... Uh, if they're going to do some cooking, they do some cooking. It's no... Um, no stigma. Uh, no stigma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no stigma. Yeah. So it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's not affecting your society too much, though, with women doing that? Because a lot of people would say that women's vote, the women's independence, women's starting to become more... You know, some women run countries, that it's yeah. become part of the downturn of our society. Would you say it's well, a big deal? Well, in the end, I don't think it's, I don't not, think same, it's, not, it? it's not, not too much. Because you're an equality, don't you? Like, you're, it's an equal society. It's an equal society. Mm-hmm. It's an equal society. 
the only thing probably, I mean, that happens in the communities here, and especially when they get drunk, is that uh, they beat the women. Uh, they do? Uh, yeah, they do. I mean, like, uh, whenever, whenever they get drunk, it usually happens. Even though right now it's, it's being controlled to some extent because it's... Uh, but uh, sometimes what's really funny about that is out there in the countryside, uh, women don't protest about it. I'll give you an example. I mean, like, you see a man and a woman that are fighting and probably the guy is beating the girl and you try to intervene and you say, well, what's going on here? I mean, you stop. And probably the girl is going to come to you and say, let him do it. He's my husband. He can do with me whatever he wants. And sometimes you just say, what? Mm. Uh, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's part of the tradition out there. And also, there are certain things in this society that you have to think of. Uh, I've never gone into that kind of a study, but, uh, you know, in the Andean society, man and woman don't kiss. They don't kiss. Uh, like, it's, it's not a common thing. Look at the lips. <laughs> <laughs> They don't yeah, kiss. I mean, like probably uh, they don't kiss like in, in the in the in the Western society. And sometimes, I mean, you show your you show that uh, you care about something by hitting him. I mean, like sometimes in the case of a man, you would just go and try gently. In the case of a woman, probably she's going to go. You, he's going to punch you. <laughs> and if you misunderstand it, then you might think that she's being aggressive with you. But she's just trying to show you that she's got some interest in you. Do you know, that's so funny. I love it. I remember when we were kids. That's how kids show affection to each other in the very beginning, is there's that pushing and shoving, and it's just an opportunity to actually touch the other person. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to knock them out. but no, it's no, like, no. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to take them out. But it's like, it's just a chance to be able to touch and, and show that, 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 oh, that's fascinating. That's almost innate. That's almost mm, instinctive. It is. Yeah, it is right. Of course, I mean you you gotta be you gotta be used to it because otherwise, because if you are not used to it and you haven't born in that kind of society, then you might you might give a harder punch than anybody. I was just expected. about to say, do they punch back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you you gotta know exactly how far Cook to go. Cook the man a guinea pig. Because I think <laughs> I would. I think I'd hit back. And also, I mean, there there are some dances. For instance, there are some mating dances that date back from Inca times in which uh, uh, men and women are dancing, men and women are dancing, right? And uh, first, the, the men, they dance among themselves, and they got to show the girls that uh, uh, they can stand pain in a stoic, stoic, what do you call it? Yes, stoic. 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 Yeah. So these guys dance uh, one against the other, and they got some whips, and they whip their calves real hard oh. for quite a while. Right. Sometimes they get some blood out of it, right? It's just showing the girls how tough they are. Then after that, they start dancing with the girls. And if you like a girl, you gotta you gotta be strong enough. If you want a girl, you gotta be strong enough to lift the girl, get her get her onto your shoulder, <laughs> and take it home. If you're, oh, that's if you're strong enough to do that, then you are. Man enough for that girl. Worthy. And oh, of course, I mean, like uh, sometimes the the girls, I mean, they help you in every way because they also like you. But sometimes it's it's a real struggle. I mean, like maybe that girl doesn't like you, and you're forcing that girl. But it's part of the society. If if that man shows that he's strong enough to get you on to his shoulder, then you're done. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> really, that's it. You got no say. Yeah. <gasps> Why? Really? It's because probably in the back of your mind in this society, you believe that a strong man is the right man. Uh, okay, so that, then it comes back to that whole mating thing. You know, we're always attracted to a man that we think, not like innately, and we're not really aware that that's what's going on, but we're always attracted to a man that we think we would have great babies with. Right. Because of their, their makeup, and that we kind of have that innate sense about the people that we choose in society. That's right. I mean, it's yeah, like, right. yeah, it's like, mm. it's like in the case of women, I suppose, I mean, you have to have certain curves, in certain the right curves, places. right? Because it's going to be the right uh, baby making thing. That's right. Mm. <laughs> I'm hearing you. <laughs> so okay, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a society. And then when you live here, 
when you live here, when you go to a market like the market we've been yesterday, or when you you come to a place like this, I mean, like you got all these all these mestizos, all these Cuscanian people that are entering this modern society, you have to understand exactly how they act, and how they react, because you cannot act the same way. I mean, like this guy expects you to be all clean, uh, polished shoes or whatever. And he doesn't even know why, but I mean, he, that's what he expects. But you go to the market, and you cannot just criticize that woman right there because she's dirty or because she's wearing a different kind, because uh, you can understand that she comes from a different society mm -hmm. in which the floor of her home is dirt, and probably she sleeps on, on the ground. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean to be dirty, it's just that it's her own way of life. So it's here, more than any other place, it's pretty dangerous to judge people. But it's it's funny. I mean, like when you when you when you have the knowledge, and uh, you gotta you gotta have some uh, anthropological knowledge about it. It's really it's really great. I mean, it's like you, you you look at all the people and how they react, and sometimes they don't even know that you're studying them, and they they don't even know, and you know how they're gonna react. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's it's really great. But at the same time, I mean, at first, like uh, me, uh, uh, as I was growing. I couldn't understand why people reacted uh, uh, with me in this way or the other way. It's just because they had categorized me in one niche right there. And uh, of course, I was supposed to act like they had uh, categorized me. And, uh, and then I started to understand why they reacted this way and that way. And eventually, I, mean, I learned how to manipulate that. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, I think you need to be Prime Minister. I think you should be the next Prime Minister of this country. Um, no, you, I, you I'm going to lead a quiet life. Uh, <laughs> the I rest of my life, right? I understand. You, you have a, a feeling to me a little bit, and please don't take this in the wrong way, but you have a Nelson Mandela kind of an amazing philosophy energy and, and philosophy. philosophy and in, in the case of Peru, whenever it comes to that point, you usually end up in jail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they kind of write a terrorist yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, no, no I mean, you just forget about it. But, but you have such a, a beautiful outlook. If and I mean, we're mischievous. Yes, a bit naughty, I would say. That's probably why we liked you. <laughs> um, I'm sure you uh, enjoyed the liberation of the 70s and 80s in, in America, put it that way. Um, but well, what, yeah. if you were, we're coming to the end of, of this beautiful podcast. And if there was one thing that you've learnt or, or a couple of things or something that you have learnt that if you could bestow on the on every person that you get to to enjoy as part of your um, guidance and, and, the, and the, the amazing knowledge that you bestow on all of us about your area if there was one thing that you wished every single human regardless of background, race, their upbringing or anything that we could all go home with what would be your philosophy on that? Say... Probably, just don't judge nobody. Mm, that's so good. That's so true. Yeah. She would be a much kinder society if we didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you learn that uh, when you judge somebody, eventually somebody's going to judge you, and uh, you just uh, fall into your own trap, and that's yeah. it. So it's so judge, true. Don't judge so nobody. True. You just accept everybody the way they are. If you like it, okay. If you don't like it, it's okay too. I mean, like as long as you don't get involved, it's all right. I mean, like Julian, you have been an absolute gem to interview. Thank you so much for what you have shared with us today. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and our audience, no doubt, has not only been mesmerised by what you've said, but how you've said it. Your accent, your tone, you're almost hypnotic to listen to. So thank you for being a part of our world and for sharing Cusco with us and for sharing yourself with us and for sharing yourself with um, potentially, a, when we didn't tell you this, but are you ready? 2.5 million people around. <laughs> and we've also got you sharing yourself with everybody that's part of our Awaken the Change Within event that's here to share, the, to share this podcast with you. <laughs>
It's not often we get the luxury of having such an amazing guest, but also having the luxury of having an amazing live audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Amelia. That's, that's all I've got to say. Thank you, Amelia. <laughs> now, no doubt there are going to be people who are listening to the show thinking, oh, my goodness, I so need to know more about this man. And if you want to... <laughs> are you married? Are you married? I am. Oh, oh, oh There's no point linking now. No, no, we don't, no, no point giving it. No, okay. So if you want to find out a little bit more about Julian, you can go to travelperutravel.com forward slash... No, not forward slash, sorry, it's a link. Oh, it's a link. Okay. So let's just scrap that. Travelperutravel.com. And then you'll look for a link that says professional guides. And you're looking for Julian Santisteban. Right. That's right? I've got that right? Actually, it's Santisteban. Santisteban. Right, that's it. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if people want to come, you know, to Cusco, then... They must ask. They must ask ask for for you. Um, My name is right there on the... No, they must. No, they must, because I think the way that you share the, Mm. the, the, the history is is is... You give more in one day than I think we would ever have expected to receive in a month of being here. So, and your passion and your interest and obviously your connection to this, this life is what makes that so transformative. So I think anybody who beyond us gets to share their journey here with you is a very lucky soul. So we really want to make sure, guys, if you are going to come to Machu Picchu, if you are going to come to Cusco, make sure that you look up Julian and he, he can be your go-to man like he is for us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Right. So hopefully you've all absolutely loved today's podcast. We have just had an absolute ball sharing it with you. I think we're all going to go to bed shortly. Um, nice and late here in Cusco and we're heading off to Machu Picchu to do the, to do the trek tomorrow. So... Um, I know you're just a little bit jealous. <laughs> Wait till you hear where we're going next year. Yes, yes, yes. In a couple of weeks, we're going to make that announcement. So keep your ears peeled because we have confirmed where we're going, but we're keeping it secret squirrel for right now. But it will be on a podcast and we're going to reveal everything for you. So if you think you might be interested to come and hang out with us and enjoy experiences that, that are life-changing, go to allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Or you can also go to all the W's. The wellness couch. Dot the wellness couch. Thanks, Kimmy. All the W's. Let's go. <laughs> go to all the W's. Dot the wellness couch. Dot com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments there. So come and hang out with us and join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that is absolutely changing the world, my friend. See you next week, same time, same station. Big love. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.